everything that I'm going to share or, or the six things that I'd like everybody to look for, you can assess as you continue to get to know somebody. But generally by the third date, you'll have enough information to know if, if these predictors are actually in place. But it does start with the first date. And I think that the first date is really, really important. Welcome to the Asian Dating Podcast. Today, I have Bridget Weil with me. She has been guiding men and women toward their goals and making their dreams come true for over 20 25 years at the height of her career as an expert, published authority, and motivational weight loss speaker. She was recruited by the nation's largest matchmaking company to work with their clients. As she learned about the business of matchmaking, she finessed her own unique formula of thoughtful, intentional introductions, along with pre-date coaching and prepping that ensured successful dates and that increased the likelihood for long-term relationships. Welcome to the show, Bridget. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me here. Yes, yes. Today, I guess we'll talk about your secret unique formula to help your matches and your clients. So, do you want to talk a little bit about what you do that makes you so successful working with the men and women in your uh, matchmaking service? Yes, absolutely. So, so men and women come to me, they would like me to matchmake for them. And I always have them fill out a, a, a form. Uh, and it's fairly detail oriented in terms of, of what they're looking for. And some of the basics are on it. But where I really learn more about them is when I get on a first Zoom call or if we're meeting in person, that the time that we spend together, where I'm really able to delve in to learning more about who they are and what their goals are and how they live and how they see themselves uh, in the world and where they'd like to be in, in the next 5, 10, 15 years. And that is that that to me is the more valuable information uh, that I use when I try to, to match two people together. So if if some of your your listeners are in new relationships or they're looking for relationships, there are six key predictors that I have found. I don't want to say guarantee, but maybe lead towards a potentially more happy uh, relationship filled with uh, longevity. These are indicators that you're not going to ask somebody for on a first date. You're not even going to ask them specific questions on the second date. But what you do want to do is get to the second and the third date. So I just want to talk about the first date, what, what you do on a first date that actually heightens your chances of getting to the second and third date. And everything that I'm going to share or, or the six things that I'd like uh, everybody to look for, you can assess as you continue to get to know somebody. But generally, by the third date, you'll have enough information to know if these if these predict if these predictors are actually in place. But it does start with the first date. And I think that the first date is really, really important. I feel like the first five minutes in a first date are actually really important. So some of the ways that I help my clients get there is to remind them to uh, basically separate the workday from the, the actual date. So I'm based in New York, uh, in Manhattan. Most of my clients are, are working. Most of my clients are uh, working females. Uh, most of my clients are looking for, for uh, heterosexual relationships. So when I set them up, I, I tell them ahead of time, you go home, you change your clothes, you take a shower, you get into date mode, you put your work energy aside, 
you wear something that is comfortable, that you feel feminine, sexy, confident in, and you get into a little bit of a, a routine every time you go out for a date so that when you get to the date, you're, you're, you're on a date. I speak to a lot of men who are looking for, for matches and what they often tell me is that they're not looking to date their boss. They might like their boss, but they don't want to date their boss. So I often coach my clients to try to leave, you know, their boss headed home before they head out on a date. During a first date, I always encourage my clients to just have fun, be themselves, uh, not necessarily look for any of the predictors that we're going to get to or talk about any of them. You just want to have a good time. You want to be happy. You want to be positive. You want to talk about subjects that are friendly uh, and happy and tell more about you. Uh, I try to encourage my clients to not play 20 questions. I think that's really boring. It's not a job interview. I think it's much more fruitful to talk about what you're doing for the weekend or where you went on a vacation, ask somebody where they went on vacation, follow up with questions, and basically just have a good time. And most importantly, at the end of the day, be grateful, be kind, say thank you, not once, not twice, say thank you at the end, say thank you as you're leaving, say thank you as you're, you know, say, saying goodbye and, and be appreciative. And the reason I encourage that is because when I speak to a lot of uh, clients after a date, and I say, you know, what did you like about my client? Often somebody will say to me, they rarely say, oh, you know, she had, she had really great heels on or, oh, she looked so pretty. I mean, those are things I hear, but more frequently I hear she was really kind. She made me feel really comfortable. I felt good around her. So I think it's really important to remember, remember when you go out on a date, while it is important to look good and take the time to present yourself nicely, it's, it's equally, if not more important to be kind and to be attentive and to be present during the date so that there's a likelihood of a second date and a third date. And it's on the second date and the third date that I think you could start to look for some of some of these predictors, which I do feel are, again, not what people typically ask for. So this is not about I want a guy who's six foot. I want a guy who's a professional. I want a guy who has an MBA. I want a guy who has never been married before. I, I'm allergic to dogs. I don't like Chinese, but, you know, that's all whatever it is. I Like all of those things, though, that's really interesting and important for me to know. But when I set somebody up or when I make a match, it's not there's some intuition involved, but it's not random. And and the predictors that I look for start with money. So what what does that mean? It means for a successful relationship, somebody can make this and somebody can make that. That to me is not a problem. What's important is that you have the same attitude towards money. So for example, if this person gets a bonus and these two people are in a relationship together, what do you do with that bonus money? If person A says, with the bonus money, let's go on the most luxurious cruise you know, around the world. And then the partner says, actually, I, I wanna just save that money. Or somebody says, you know what? Let's put that money towards 
or children's education. And the other person says, you know what? Actually, I think we should just pave the driveway, right? So if, if people have different attitudes about how they spend their money, it's problematic. So I think it's really important to pay attention to how people spend money. So you can listen to what kind of vacations do they take? What do they do when they get a raise? What do they do if they don't get a raise and they need to cut back? What kind of things would they cut back on, right? When you when a decision is made about where to eat, what kind of restaurants are chosen and why? Is it because the person loves that restaurant or is it because it's the early bird special? So paying attention to one's at money. So, well, it's very complex, but it's also very personal. But it's really important in a good relationship that two people know that they can agree on how they spend their money. So so money is, to me, that number, and this is, these are not necessarily in order, but money is the first thing that I think is really important to look at. The second one is what I call family orientation. It doesn't matter if you have one sibling or 10 siblings. What matters is that two people have the same attitude towards their family. So for example, on somebody's birthday, if they say, oh my gosh, my birthday is coming up, I want to invite everybody over because it's my birthday. And the other person says, you know what? It's my birthday. And uh, you know what? I, I just want to be alone with you. It might indicate that you have different ideas about how you spend your spend time together. For example, as well, say Thanksgiving is coming up and the person with the big family says, I, I, I can't be around my family. I just want to you know, get away for, for this holiday. And the other person says, Thanksgiving, that's like my favorite holiday. And I love that my aunt's there and my grandmother and my sister and the brother and, you know, and, and they have different ideas that is problematic. So how you, how you view family, I think is also a, a really important common thread that helps a relationship have less tension. The third one is, uh, this is really simple just like your lifestyle. Are you a night owl or are you an early bird? Is your idea of a day off lying in bed, you know, and watching Netflix all day? Or is your idea, you know, going running and going hiking? Uh, or do you have two really, really different ideas about how you want to spend your, your time when you're not working? How do you want to spend the time that you're together? If two people have extremely different ideas of how they want to spend time, that that adds a lot of tension to a relationship. So I think it's really important to find out, you know, what do you, you know, so when you're not working, what do you do? You know, oh, oh, it's, you know, it's Martin Luther King Day, you know, on Monday, you know, what are you doing? You know, how are you going to spend the day? Oh, you have a day off of work. What are you going to do? Oh, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're working throughout the whole weekend. What are you going to do to to chill, right? So just to find out how somebody lives their life without actually experiencing it with them can be very telling and give you a lot of information that you you, you don't want to wait two years to be in a relationship with somebody to find out that they don't want to get up at the time that you want to get up. I just had a client who was with, with somebody that I had introduced her to. I thought it was a really good match. It ultimately did not work because he was retired. She was not. She's a doctor. And she had to be up at a specific time every day to show up for her clients. And he wanted a party all night. 
and they could not they could not find a way to make it okay and it was a it was sort of a it was a sad separation because a lot of things were really good but that one piece just kept them on very different spectrums of of real life uh the next indicator this is pretty simple is is vacation so most of my clients work and you don't get a lot of vacation time so what do you want to do on vacation? And this is a fairly easy thing to find out. It's as simple as saying, you know, you know, did you go away this summer? Where did you go? And what did you do? So I meet people whose idea of vacation is I have a week off. I'm going to volunteer for a Habitat for Humanity and I'm going to build houses all week. That's what I want to do. And then I have other clients who want to go and lie on a beach all day. And then I have other clients who want to go to the best city and, you know, be up all the time and racing around and taking all the culture and the sights of the city. So those are really important things that I as a matchmaker always ask everybody that I work with. I want to know where, you know, do you go on vacation? Where, where was your last vacation? What do you have planned? And some people, some people don't care. Some people don't even want to go on vacation. They say, you know, no, I want to stay and this is what I'm going to do during this time. So having that information, I think, is really helpful, not only to me as a matchmaker, but also to my clients while they're assessing if this is somebody that they could potentially imagine themselves with. So what, what, when you add all of these things up, you know, when I'm, I'm listening to what I'm saying, not everybody, I mean, you and I talked had talked about this before, we, we have partners that do extremely different things than we do, but we do find a happy ground. And I think that's okay if one or two of these things are out of sync, but if you get all six of these out of sync, it, 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 it's going to make it much more difficult to have uh, or, or to imagine longevity. The other one is uh, core values. What, what is important to you? And this, this is a, you know, when I think about knowing this in two or three dates, it might sound overwhelming, but there's a very, very easy way to get to the answer of what somebody's core values are. And it's a very, very simple question. And all you need to say is, you know, what 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 makes you get up in the morning? What drives you? Somebody might say, I love my job. I just can't wait to get to work. Some people might say, you know, I, I wake up and what what makes me the happiest every day is walking my dog. Some people might say, you know, making money. I, I am doing so well and it's so exciting to see, you know, my bank account do this. Somebody might say, you know, what drives me is, you know, waking up at the crack of dawn and making sure that I see the, the, the sunrise every day. So knowing what that is, is, is significant because for happiness, long-term happiness, I think you need to either greatly respect what your other what what your partner adores, or you need to be on closer pages to each other so that you can enjoy the things that you both enjoy together and not and not separately. Similarly, and number six, our goals. And again, this is I don't think this is a really difficult question. What are your goals? Where do you want to be in five years? And it, it's not a big question. You'd be over a cocktail. So, you know, where do you see yourself in 10 years? What do you want to be in 15 years? You know, is your is your goal in life to travel around the world? Is your goal in life to stay exactly where you are? Is your goal in life to get in an RV and just, you know, travel through all the states? Is your goal in life to 
um, just make lots and lots of friends and meet all different kinds of people as your goal in life to have a kid, two kids, three kids. Like those questions are really, are really uh, interesting in the process of learning more about somebody, not only for the interest of learning more about them and, and being curious about them, but also examining what your own goals are. Because if two people had extremely different ideas, uh, I recently had a, a couple where she was very, very close to her family and he was moving to France and they could not find a way to make things work because in, in a million years, she was not leaving her, her aging parents and that ended their relationship. So I think I think that is something that they probably could have figured out earlier on because by the third date, she had already conveyed how important her family was. And he had already, from the beginning, told her that he was planning on moving out of the country. So they, they both had that information and chose not to listen to it or hear it or notice it. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we come to the realization that if these six items are, are not addressed, or in place, there could be potential tension and two people have to figure out how to how to manage that together. Would you say that people in their 20s and 30s might not have the best grasp of what they want? Because I can see these questions being super important as I get older, because that's the best thing about interviewing people for podcasts. As I'm listening to what you're saying, I'm like, oh, this is like a quest, uh, like a test for my own relationship. And I'm trying to like match up the stuff between my husband and I. But yeah, with that example you just gave about that couple that had to split, like, did right. they kind of think that, okay, love will conquer all, like one person was going to move with the other person. So they were just kind of getting the feel of the relationship and not let those immediate yellow flags come in the way? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, were they just- Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I 100% understand what you're saying. And I, I mean, I think studies show that youth, younger people in their 20s and their 30s are more idealistic. Yeah. Uh, the majority of my clients are 40, 45 plus. Mm -hmm. And I think as, as as we age, perhaps we get a little bit more uh, realistic. But I, but I think to some extent, even at, you know, I have my, my older daughter is 23. And she definitely has goals in life. Mm -hmm. uh, she and I don't think she is unusual or atypical. She's special. She's my daughter. But I don't think she's exceptional in the sense that she has certain goals. I, I and, and she's dating also. Uh, and I know that there are certain qualities that would not work for her, even at 23, because she's very specific about what she likes and the kind of life she sees for herself. And uh, so, so I think I think so, I think these six predictors are probably more clear as we get older. But I don't think that somebody in their twenties or thirties should be oblivious because because all of these things happen as most of us grow up. Hopefully, we make money or maybe even more money as most of us grow up. We we our families grow and we have more attachment or less attachment to them. Uh, I think as, you know, everybody goes on vacation and has an idea of, uh, you know, what, what we would do 
So, so I think I think it just becomes more urgent as as we all get older, especially for for those who know that they want a relationship. So, if you had to pick one out of the six as being the most important, almost as a given, you should definitely be on the same page. Which one item would you say that is the most important from your um, own experience in dating? From my own experience, I think I think they're all very important, but I think that the family piece is really important because I think family ties are for me personally what what comes first. Mm-hmm. And if there if there is an enormous amount of difference of opinion right like for me for example my my family is very very important to me I don't know that I would elect to not spend every holiday without them once in a blue moon something special a trip can't be there but but I would not I would not choose for example to miss every Thanksgiving because I knew that my partner hated Thanksgiving Right. It's like that Reese Witherspoon movie. I can't remember the name of it, where the two of them. Oh, oh was it you four know? Christmases or something? Right. Or? Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It's a Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Where they they they. But but, you know, what's so nice about their relationship is that they both agree. Neither of them want to be with their families because it's too complicated. There's too much drama until, you know, the actual movie happens and they kind of get stuck with, you know, in a lie and everybody knows, but, but what's interesting and that's a great example is the two of them in the beginning, you know, they have the same idea. They're, they're in on it together. Mm-hmm. Like you, that's what you want with a partner. You want to be in on it. Right. Right. I feel like money is so important in how you spend it because I wouldn't want to be with a partner who has completely different uh, spending habits as I do. I'd be stressed out. Like, or what if he has a gambling issue or what if he like, I want to live in that state of stress and be like, wow, we're just spending above our means, you know, and um, to constantly have credit card debt or to constantly need to worry about our bills or paycheck to paycheck kind of stuff. I feel like that would add a lot of stress to um, a relationship. If one person loves to buy superficial materialistic things and the others like I don't care about labels like I'm okay shopping at Walmart or you know TJ Maxx or something so yeah I guess I'm really uh, fortunate in the sense that my husband and I have the same spending habits um and we you know I when you gave that example I'm like oh I would totally save it if I got a huge bonus I wouldn't just go and spend it on a luxury cruise or anything but you know, we do spend stuff to have fun, of course, because, you know, we've earned it and things like that. But yeah, it really makes you think that these things are important. So I noticed you didn't say anything about height on there. So thank you so much. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because it's very, so, so I come from a very long line of happy couples. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents are still married. They've been together for 52 years. My grandparents, my maternal grandparents were together for 77 years. And my paternal grandparents were French. Uh, They actually met during during the war. They married because of the war. And they stayed together up until uh, the day that my grandfather had had passed away uh, somewhat prematurely. But a lot of love 
a lot of adoration. If I said to my mother or either of my grandmothers, you know, what was so amazing about, you know, grandpa or my father's friend, you call him papa. What, what was so amazing? I guarantee you the last thing they will say, oh, he was so tall. Exactly. Right. right? People, yeah. that is not what people think about. When I talk to clients of mine or who are having great experiences and I say, what do you like about Jim? They rarely will say, oh my gosh, I just, I am so in love with his blue eyes, right? Like that is not what you hear. You hear that people are generous, they're kind, they have a big heart. Uh, he always met me at the bus station. Uh, he did the groceries for me when I wasn't feeling well. He bring, he would bring me coffee in the morning, right? Those are the things that 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 really make the difference, uh, which doesn't mean, of course, that 99.9% of my clients don't tell me the number one thing is height or, you know, they want a man with hair, they, you know, and you, you know, the whole list. So yeah, none, none of those things are on the list of what I think predicts an excellent relationship. Yeah. Does, does height, does hair or lack thereof, or does it mean there might be more chemistry? Maybe. But, but chemistry is something that builds over time. And also people lose their hair, people gain weight, they lose weight. All of those things that seem so important are not, are not the forever things. Somebody who has a good heart, when you, when you meet somebody and you fall in love with somebody that has a good heart, it, it doesn't go away, it doesn't, doesn't disappear, it doesn't change, right? But the, the outside things that look shiny and desirable, those are not guarantees. So why, why would you seek out somebody for, for something that is not potentially permanent, right? I know, but how do we uh, convince our clients of that? How do we let our clients know that height is not the indicator or certain specific things? Like, how do you, how do you, have your clients be more open to dating even a little bit further than what they like, you know, like geographically desirable locations. Like how do you help Mm -hmm. them with that piece? I, I can't, I, I never force a client to go out on a date that they don't want to go on, but I promise them that I will never set them up on a date that was a complete waste of their time because there will be something to learn about that person, about yourself, about the experience, about something that will make them a better dater in the long run. So I try to, I try not to sell dates. I try not to say, you know, I'm going to set you up on six dates over the course of six months. I try to say, I'm going to set you up on an, an unlimited amount of dates with a minimum of this number, there's no maximum, because I'm going to try to set you up with as many people as I can who match the majority of your preferences. But I'm going to set you up on more dates than you might even want to go on, because I want you to have the opportunity to meet different kinds of people, very different kinds of people who maybe match your top three priorities. So if somebody gives me a list of 10 priorities, I'll, I'll say, I, I'm going to do my best with these, but if I can match three, I, I'm going to encourage you to go out on that date. And 
the picture, the photograph ahead of time, if I if I choose to show a photo or if it's important to them, I say it might not look or it might not sound and it might not read like the person you have in your mind. But I, st I want you to go and have the experience. And then we're going to talk about it. I'm not marrying you to this person. I am just it, it's just a cup of coffee. It's just a drink. It's an hour. It's a meet and greet. It'll give you some more information. And that information is so useful and so vital to your experience. And, and I think I also, I try to insert a fair amount of coaching prior prior to, to any dates that I set my clients up on so that I have the opportunity to encourage them to change their mindset. It's a date. It's not, it's not, necessarily a guarantee that you're going to find the one. I don't want my clients to think that way. I want my clients to think of having experiences, moving the needle, enjoying the journey, learning more about yourself and your dating style so we can talk about it. And I, I can help you maybe even show up better for your dates so that when you do find up in front of the one, you're, you're, you're good. What if the clients come to you and they don't think they need coaching and they just want the introductions uh, sent to them? So how do you guide them if they think, no, I'm already a good dater. I'm already a kind, generous person. I just don't have time to find matches. So that's what I want you to do for me. It's impossible. It's impossible to hire me as a matchmaker without having some level of coaching. They're not necessarily coaching sessions. If somebody is only looking for the dates, I will structure a personalized package for them. However, there will be a pre-date phone call and there will be a post-date phone call regarding feedback and the way that, you know, if somebody really felt strongly that they don't need coaching, the way that I would explain it to them is that I need the coaching because I need to be an expert on you. So I need you to get on the phone with me after every date I set you up on, even for 15 minutes, and tell me how I can do better, how I can hone in on your preferences, how I can learn more about you from this date that I set you up on. And in that conversation, uh, I will try to help expand their their preferences or or try to better understand what it is that they're looking for and helping them understand why maybe they're having a hard time finding it. So what would you say would be the biggest aha moments that you've had since you become a matchmaker dating coach since mm. you've been doing this for a while, but you really didn't know this industry until you really got into it, right? So what would you say was your biggest learning thing about singles and about what you do and all that? No, I I have, there are so many, I have so many ideas jumping in my head and I'm trying to, I'm trying to just pick one. I think what I'm thinking about is, is one of the, the first clients that, that I took on privately who was looking, I knew what she was looking for. She told me what she was looking for. She was looking for a professional who came from a good family. She wanted to have a family. So she wanted somebody that was uh, family oriented and open to having children. It was very important to her to, to be introduced to somebody who went to an Ivy League college and was handsome and fit. And I knew I had somebody for her. 
as soon as I took her on as a client, I knew who I was going to set her up with. It was actually somebody I had coached for a while and I knew him really well. And I could check every box that she had. And I set them up on their first date. Lovely, lovely Italian restaurant uh, down in Soho. They went on the date and I, I almost couldn't sleep that night because I was at my first date and I was so excited and I knew it was going to be so good. And I could not wait. I, I like, you know, my head, I'm like fantasizing. I'm going to get flowers the next day because they're both going to be so happy. And, you know, I have this whole idea. And I don't know, like 6 a.m. in the morning, she calls me on the phone and she is screaming. And, and basically she's yelling at me and saying, what were you thinking? And I thought it was a dream. I, it was it was the antithesis of what I had expected would happen. My heart sunk. And I said, what, what happened? And I know him so well. Like I knew he would give good date and like, he's such a gentle. She said, how, how could you set me up with, how could you set me up with somebody who ordered spaghetti and meatballs? I said, what? She said, he ordered the spaghetti and meatballs. I said, and she said, what a commoner, what a commoner who orders spaghetti and meatballs? want a common guy and I'm you know, I know the restaurant that I set them up in and you know yes it was spaghetti and meatballs yes it might be a more rustic dish it was probably a $35 plate of spaghetti and meatballs but in any case she didn't like that he was wearing spaghetti and meatballs and she said and he showed up in 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 a t-shirt and I know this guy he dresses really really well he I think it what is it uh, I think it's James Pierce he buys you know $150 t-shirts right beautiful t-shirts he showed up in a t-shirt. He ordered the spaghetti and meatballs. What were you thinking? I want an exceptional man, not somebody who orders spaghetti and meatballs and shows up on a date, a first date in a t-shirt. And it was this huge aha moment for me where I thought, wow, right? Sometimes people are looking for things that are important to them that may not be important in the grand scheme of things. I already knew all of the other key predictors that I was looking for at that point. They, they were all in place. I think the two of them actually could have been a great couple, but she had this very specific idea and it wasn't, it wasn't him. So that, that was, that was an aha moment for me, which made me learn that, People probably do need coaching, even if they don't think they do. And there, there, there has to be uh, a system where I can offer coaching in the process of also setting them up on dates. I think my my aha moment as a matchmaker there with you know my first private client is that I I probably should have worked with her more and dug a little bit deeper, and maybe I could have prepared her a little bit more for for that date. I just feel like people just need to be more forgiving and to not be so judgmental with that. I mean, spaghetti and meatballs, who cares? Like he, right. you know, that stuff doesn't matter to me. And if I were to ever be single and dating again, everything I've learned the past 15 years, I would be the best dater. But yeah, we're we're all right. horrible daters at the beginning, right? right. Like Right. Yeah. And first of all, dating is hard. I yeah. think we have to be so much more gentle on each other. You know, male, female, it's either way. And first dates, they're hard. 
you can be nervous. You could have had a bad day at work. Yeah. You could be wearing a pair of shoes that, you know, you look great in, but they're killing your feet and you're miserable, right? The music could be loud. There could be something else going on in, in somebody's life. You know, first dates are really, really hard. So I think that we should be forgiving not only in first dates, but but throughout the whole process and be curious about each other before before making decisions, you know, about whether, you know, somebody wore the wrong color or ordered the wrong thing or, you know, did something that was a, a social, you know, no-no, you know, or faux pas in some way. Like, those things really don't matter. What are some things that you advise your clients and your daters to do that are so simple that can make a huge impression on a first date? Like what are some simple things that are free for them to do that are easy for them to do and that are no brainers for them to do? Like what are some of those basic, basic things that we should be doing? Uh, Okay. First one is be on time. Being late is not sexy. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know how many times I, I will say that over and over again. It's rude. Yeah. Five minutes, 10 minutes, especially again, I'm in, the, you know, I live in the city. There's Ubers, there's taxis, things, yeah. transportation. There, there can always be something 10 minutes up to 10 minutes. If you're going to be more than 10 minutes late, you text me or you text your match and you let them know that you're on on your way. But to be 20 minutes late, half an hour late, it's it's just it's not it's not polite. It's rude. It's inconsiderate. And it's it's a really bad way to start off what could have been a potentially good date. So so being on time is number one. Uh, number two is being present. So you know everybody has a cell phone today. If you unless you have some pending emergency or childcare work crazy you know issue, just put your phone away. It's just not necessary. Don't even don't even pull it out. Don't even pull it out. In the in the course of a conversation, if something comes up and you want to look something up because right. there's a trivial right. question, just, just don't just don't include it. Just be present, old fashioned style. Talk, make eye contact, show good body language that shows the person that you're interested in them. Even if you know, even if you have a sense that they're you know you're you're not sure if there's going to be a second date, or even if you're thinking oh there's this is not going to work, you know what it always it's always good dating karma to be kind. Everybody likes kindness. And there is, you know, you've already, the drink is already sitting in front of you. You're already there. Learn something new. Learn something new about the person. Uh, be Try to be open-minded because you, you never know. Uh, chemistry, I, I don't believe chemistry is always found. I think chemistry is often made. So I, I try to encourage my clients to, Go on a second date unless they're one hundred percent positive that they could never imagine uh, any kind of even friendship with this person. I go on a second date, explore further, give them another chance, give them another chance to get to know you. Be curious, ask questions. But like I said earlier, it doesn't have to be twenty questions. Ask questions so that you can learn more about them, not necessarily to know some of the basics. Where'd you grow up? You know, like where was the most exciting place you've ever been? Where have you not been? That's a more interesting question, I think. Say thank you. Yes, I was just going to say that. Say thank you. Say thank you. Say thank you. Be grateful. Smile. Make the other person feel good because why not? Right. 
you know, the more yeah. people that you, and you know, and also I think some of the best first dates that, that I have been on that did not necessarily culminate into romantic relationships, they became friendships for me. Because if you like somebody, but you sense that there's not a, a romantic potential there, you know, they might have, if you like them, you might like their friends. Yeah. Birds right? of a feather flock together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally agree with everything you said. And I just feel like those little things are just basic dating 101 tips that are free for you to do. You know, it's like to be kind and to say thank you. And sometimes we forget about that. And I can't even tell you how I hate when people are late, even for meetings with me. Like I say, I'm going to call you at three o'clock. I call you at three o'clock because I set my alarm for 2.50 to remind me to call you at three. We jumped on the Zoom call, you know, at the time that we're supposed to be a little bit earlier like it just started off our podcast in a right mood, right? I wasn't running exactly. late and all right. that stuff. So you just don't realize how important that is. And yes. I, I don't like when women show up late for dates and think that, yeah, the guy should wait for me or, you know, I'm worth the wait. Like, no, you're not. You're just yeah. totally yeah. blowing it, you know, like just, yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. So what is one question that I should have asked you that I didn't ask you? Oh my gosh. I guess the one thing maybe is why why I do what I do. Yeah, tell me. I, I, I do this because I get so much pleasure out of positive relationships. And I have been uh, really good relationships. And I've been blessed in life. You know a little bit about this already about me. I've been blessed in life with, an amazing uh, group of friends and friendships and an amazing circle of family that have been supportive and uh, adoring and uh, comforting uh, for, for, for my entire life. And I, I think that to me, that is, um, that is what makes me get up in the morning, knowing that I have these really wonderful friendships that are so meaningful to me. And I love being able to create that or help create that or help clients be led towards their own relationships and friendships because they're so special. I know we talked about the six predictors. Would you say that, is this a predictor that if someone comes from a family that their parents are still together, that they are more likely to want that for themselves. So they would not be as likely to seek a divorce or to get out of a relationship so quickly. Or do you think that doesn't even play into it? I I, I think your the, the status of, of your parents, whether they stayed together or they didn't stay together, I think that is irrelevant. I think that it might have something to do with the choices that you make. I, I have I have clients and friends who came from uh, divorced families, and to them, it was actually more important to, to to have a certain kind of relationship because of the way that they grew up. But I could also say the same thing for clients and friends of mine who came from parents that are still together. 
that it was more important for them to find a certain kind of relationship because of the way that their parents were. So, so I don't think, I don't think whether you came from a, a family of divorce or not, I don't think that predicts your, your success. I think it might impact how you see the world and how you see your own relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, thank you so much, Bridget, for joining me today. Oh, I'm so, so glad you came on the show. And I love talking about dating. And for the ladies out there, I'm always seeking great Asian women to set up with my male clients. The men are the paying clients. So please go to twoasianmatchmakers.com, fill out a profile with me so I can find you when I need you. And Bridget, just some last parting words before I say goodbye. And I will include all of your contact information in the show notes as well. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, May. This is, this was really fun. I'm so glad we did this. Thank you. Well, have a great day, everybody. And I will talk to you soon. Bye guys. Thanks, Thanks May.